As always, a huge thank you to Starboard, who are once again this season's main sponsors. Starboard has a history of innovation across water sports, starting in 1994 by revolutionising the design of windsurf boards, and they've brought that bang up to date recently, bringing foil windsurfing onto the Olympic stage with their IQ foil package. Starboard got behind stand-up paddleboarding in a huge way in the early days and continued to lead the industry to reduce their environmental impact. Their focus on innovation brought them seven world champions at the ICF Worlds last year, and all of them were using their Lima paddle range. They continue to improve and innovate their boards and their paddles for all abilities across all flavours of the sport, including adventure. And you can find out more about Starboard through their website, which is linked to in the show notes. Well, welcome to this final episode of 2023 when we reflect on the year that's just passed and we look ahead to 2024. And we've got interviews with a number of old and new friends of the show with updates and reflections. And I get to talk all of this through with my friend, with my collaboration partner, Sarah Thornley from Sup Junkie UK, who uh, is a XGB national champion to boot, the voice and face of the sport through race live streams in Great Britain for international competitions and a main writer for SUPMAG UK and a number of other publications. Sarah, welcome back to SUPFM. Thank you very much, Simon. It's just great to be here um, back on the podcast. And we've seen each other a couple of times this year, done some pretty epic things. It's been a great year of racing. Uh, always excited. Um, I think this year has been, there's been a bit of a change up in who's leading the field here and abroad. Um, but yeah, it's really great to be back. Thank you for having me. Well, you're very welcome. And uh, really looking forward to this episode when we'll talk about our slant on the year 2023 and we'll cover some of the highlights and reflections of another year where um, SUP has sort of basically fulfilled another step um, in terms of its maturity after its incredible growth since COVID. One of the things about getting mature, as I, I've discovered to my cost, is you need to sort of make tough decisions and um, and there's lots of sort of interesting problems and so on that we need to, to sort of sort through. So there are lots of things that have popped up. We've got a new um, national governing body, British Canoeing. We're in early stages in terms of our relationship with that governing body. And there's lots of items I guess we could really get on the agenda and we really need to get after as a bit of a priority. So I'd be interested in your thoughts as to my very short list of, of, the, of the key elements that um, we really need to be getting after. Particularly important at the moment with the rapid growth of the sport is not to lose those um, paddlers, those novice paddlers, and to help them move into other areas of the sport and to really get them involved. I don't know whether you've got any thoughts on, on that, Sarah, and, and the sort of things that we can do in order to make that happen. Well, that's a great question. Um, and let's let's make it clear that they are the joint national governing body as well, mm -hmm. Simon. Um, but yeah, we're we're excited. We're we're looking forward and we really hope that we really want this to work. I mean, that's the bottom line, isn't it? We need a national governing body. And let's be fair, it might not be everybody's choice, but it is what it is, and we we want it to work. And they've got a huge number of leisure paddlers, social paddlers, a huge. 
um, run into their th tens of thousands. And wouldn't it be lovely if we could convert them all to um, my love, which is racing, or just get them out and about and uh, adventuring more, learning more, um, being more um, proficient at what they do, uh, and just yeah, learning more about the sport. And we, we, you know, we would we we hold British canoeing accountable to get those leisure paddlers and transfer them over to many other disciplines. And if that's racing, happy days for me. That's what I'd like to see. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there are lots of people who are taking their, their paddleboard down to the sea or, you know, onto the river, onto the lake for the first time. And uh, without providing that momentum to move people on with the sport, be it, you know, racing and adventure that are the two obvious candidates, you know, that there's so many other angles though that uh, you can involve people in um you know not least the, the the sort of social side surfing and so on and uh, i think it's really important for people to understand that it, it doesn't necessarily need you know all the gear all the specialist gear in in order to do any of those you can do you know any of those on a on you know the majority of the general use up i mean you won't be at competition or international level doing it but, you know, it's enough to, to get a start. So um, so that that's sort of one area, I think, um, which which would be great to to reinforce in terms of 2024 and, and the governing bodies activity. Um, the second one on, on my list is the support for SUP schools and groups as well, which is another really important one because they provide all of that um, local um, experience and that momentum to get people onto the water. Um, I don't know. I mean, you've been involved in quite quite a few groups haven't you Sarah over the years across across the country and they really are an important reinforcement to keeping people paddling yes and it's something that uh, uh, Chris and Thomas recently brought up and she said we don't we don't have clubs in the USA they just don't have them like we do and clubs are so important for your for your paddling skill and more importantly your fun you know paddling with others learning from others trying different kit having that lovely support group. I've been uh, with the Real Blue Chip Supper Club for, well, from the moment I started paddling, so over 11 years, and we were out this week for dinner. I, I absolutely adore all those people. And what I've learned from them uh, is, uh, you know, I can't really put into words. Um, it's great just to have that community. And if we can get some of these individual paddlers who maybe just paddle out with a friend, you know, I'd always encourage them, go and find a local club uh, or a group and uh, go and have some fun with them because there's a lot of fun to be had out there. And you, as I say, you'll learn things, safety, kit. Um, we all want to try a new board. You know, if you're on a 10 foot six, what a great opportunity to go and try a 14 foot race board with your club. You know, you'll get away with it there. <laughs> you won't everywhere else um, um yeah absolutely. but yeah i think a club and a group is a is really good for your paddling absolutely and don't forget to try someone else's paddle as well because i tried your paddle on race for rivers your oscar propulsion and uh it was night and day really um so you know that there's lots of opportunities to do that and i think you know one of the things that attracted me to the sport particularly is the sort of ethos the aloha type factor the fact that you know it's inclusive um you know and there, there's a brotherhood and sisterhood on the on the water which, which we all share so i think it's really important as well that that it isn't uh, isn't lost so um so that's attracting new paddlers into the sport in different ways this is um you know supporting clubs and groups and schools and so on and uh, just to lob a huge hand grenade in here um 
the final one I would say is, is safety. <laughs> here we go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think I'm going to just put a bit of a restriction on on me here to start with, and um, and by proxy um, you as well, Sarah, because I know that it's something that that we both feel very passionate about. And one of the really odd things about safety is that um, on one side of the equation, there's lots of people who are very passionate about safety, and honestly, I don't think we deserve any form of badge or or award for that. There are lots and lots of people who feel the same way as we do but it's trying to engage with people who are the other um, end of the equation in terms of being passionate i.e not even recognizing that it's it's a need or that there's any risk involved so um you know certainly um as i've bent your ear on multiple occasions you're you're aware that 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 sort of um, that beginner mindset needs to start with a bit of education. So that's certainly where I would um, point my uh, focus and my desire for uh, 2024 across across the in- industry. I don't know. Um, I'm going to say I don't know whether you've got any feelings on it. I know you've got feelings. Um, you know, what are they, Sarah? Yeah, well, um, we could have a whole podcast or two about this could be mm. safety and we do bang bang our drum quite a lot about it um we're very passionate as you say so are many others and i think this is where hopefully the uh, national governing body can step in and really step up to the mark and make a difference because uh they've got a huge um amount of people and they've done this for canoeing kayaking you know those guys are safety experts aren't they mm. um and and let's do it for SUP, you know, let's get that uh, information way down to those leisure paddlers that they have hundreds of thousands of uh, and beyond. Um, so we obviously attended the safety conference uh, and that was very good. We need we need things to happen and we need them to happen quickly. Uh, we're all aware that, you know, 2024 is just around the corner. As soon as spring starts, you'll have all those people dragging those boards out of their garages and getting back on the water. And they might not have a clue. And that's not their fault. You know, I didn't know what an offshore wind is. I'm not a sea person. I've not had any experience on yachts or rowing or anything. So I had to learn. Uh, And I'm not sure I still know everything. Well, I don't know everything. But uh, it'd be really great to, uh, you know, get um, British Canoeing to really step up and sort the safety out for getting that information you know filtering down Mm. um to those people who need it the most and it can happen to all of us you know i i've been very lucky but i had an accident in my 10th year of paddling you know which was just a slip on some mud and a couple of broken ribs um you know and that was complacency so it can happen to all of us it's not just those people who've just started their journey but a really really important subject let's not bang on about it anymore because uh we could for another two hours yeah okay (laughs) and we got more exciting things to talk about we do right okay so let's move on to those more exciting things and uh you know this year we collaborated on a really exciting race actually it was um it was sub 12 and the the creation of this race came from brendan Prince of above water charity fame. He um, obviously paddleboarded round Great Britain, multiple Guinness World Record um, holder, and, and so on. And really inspirational individual um, is Brendan. And he came back from uh, last paddler standing competition um, in uh, Florida last year. Uh, more of that later, by the way. Um, and inspired by the race director, he created this new long form race. 
12 and uh, the clues sort of in the title but w- would you like to just take us through the, the format of that that race uh, sarah yeah uh what a great what a great race i mean we were excited but we didn't really know how it was going to work a little bit like last paddle standing but these events seem to be um holding their own in in terms of excitement level of excitement level of participation not only those paddling but people watching and listening uh so sub 12 12 hours basically how far can you paddle sounds simple doesn't it you get on the water uh, actually you can get on the water whenever you like the race starts at 7 a.m finishes at 7 p.m it was down in the beautiful bay of torbay so there was a course set of a certain distance and you had to start whenever you wanted so you could start at 7 a.m. You could start at 9 a.m. if you wanted. Most people start at 7 a.m. Uh, and off you paddle. You paddle your lap. You come back to shore. You get off your board. And very, very cleverly, you have to go past your, what should we call it, your little station, mm. your seat, your food, your drink. And you run up the beach and you go round and you come back to your board. And you have to do that every lap. And that's where the mind mess comes in. Um, because it's not just an endurance race. It's a race. Can you imagine being on, I don't know, uh, your 50th lap or having done 50K and you're having to go past that feeding station. You're knackered and you're, you're desperate for a drink or you're desperate to stop. And you've got to push yourself to go past that station. It's a brilliant, brilliant concept. So um, many people just went for it and just wouldn't stop. Uh, and many people sat had a bit of lunch with a friend. Uh, some people took a little bit of time off. It was just a brilliant, uh, brilliant, brilliant event. And we were lucky enough to uh, be doing the live commentary for 12 hours straight, probably 13 or 14, actually, by the time we finished. Uh, it was a real pleasure to have you on the mic with me, uh, Simon. Well, I think we did a pretty good job, but it was just a brilliant event. It, it it was it was great fun, wasn't it? And uh, and yeah, we we riffed pretty well off each other. And I've got to say, absolute testament to you because you had only just recovered a few days before from uh, the dreaded COVID. So uh, coming and then doing twelve hours on on the beach was uh, quite a phenomenal endurance feat, just just by you. But um, you know, you're right. It was great. Uh, you know, you mentioned friends. I mean, that's the other great draw when you're sort of going through the the, the sort of feeding station point there friends relatives dogs and so on all very pleased to see you so it's sort of all about not being distracted and of course you know it's also a very tactical game um you know if you spend too much time eating then that affects your your lap time but if you don't spend enough time eating then that affects your lap time so it's it's a real challenge and it was great fun with a long form race like that you tend to get to know people in far more detail than people in a race where people just pitch up do the race and then sort of go home an hour or so later um and you know for me a couple of key names bruce smith won the overall um competition it wasn't graded into any classifications which is going to be changing this year and emily evans also was an absolutely awesome competitor and uh, and i think pretty much everyone at the end of the day looked like sort of empty vessels they certainly looked like they had done sort of 12 hours of uh, of solid work there they did and not not everybody made 12 hours you know you had those who just had to physically stop or just wanted to stop but uh, and then you had those who 
really shot off and they were just determined to go as fast as possible for as long as possible. You had the others who were very measured in their paddling and, and took a more uh, thoughtful approach maybe and let's do it at this pace only. Um, it was incredible. Bruce was a machine and the lovely, lovely, beautiful thing was that he he started off with his the love of his life, Karen, who paddled with him and they, they paddled together. Um, you know, and it was great because Karen is not that confident on the sea. She doesn't particularly like, well, she doesn't like race starts. Her beach starts are okay, but she's not a great lover of race starts. So it's really lovely to see them supporting each other and paddling together. Um, and then Bruce was just a machine. I mean, he, he comes from that background. And, you know, over the last few years, um, we've really seen him at the sort of, you know, the 10K races and the, you know, that kind of level and now he's absolutely stepped up his game back to doing what you know he used to do and Emily Evans I mean it, it as you say there was one winner um and thankfully that will be changed but she was absolutely at the top and she pushed and pushed and pushed herself again she's someone who's got endurance under her belt she's got you know medals for whitewater rafting so she's a oh I, it, I hate to say it she's a proper athlete <laughs> In my head, she's just got this, you know, this absolute mindset. She's competed internationally. Uh, that's what makes her a proper athlete. And she um, she just didn't stop. And she was just wanted to almost get to that, you know, up, up to that level. I think she she came in overall fourth. But, um, you know, if there'd been a, obviously a male and female winner, she definitely would have come, uh, you know, First, way, way yeah. up, way up there at number one. And the other thing that I'd like to, to see changed in that race um is is the no kneeling rule um there, there wasn't a rule for no kneeling and i think there should have been um that's just a, a little chat i'm going to have with brendan mm. because that's fairly important um when you're racing and it was a race mm. uh and it but it was just brilliant it was utterly brilliant and we got to know it's very bonding really bonding as you say when you've got that those 12 hours of paddling with people and people fasting all the time. Uh, it, yeah, it's a really lovely bonding experience. Great to make new friends and uh, and a beautiful part of the country as well. Brilliant. Yeah, no, it was absolutely fantastic. Quite an experience. And and this year, I think based on last year's experience, we, we had a lot of people watching it and, um, you know, this year is going to be bigger and, and better and there's more classification. So um, if you want to find out more about uh, SUP12, all links will be in the show notes um, or in the, the video notes if you're watching this on YouTube. Right. OK, so moving on into the, uh, the solid race area. And Sarah, this is probably where I'm going to hand the mic over to you to a large degree. But uh, if we cover the UK GB racing scene, first of all, um, obviously there are a number of, of races throughout the, the UK, some, um, you know, within the GB SUP um, area, sphere of operations. But um, but they ran a number of races across the country, splitting into flat water series and an ocean series. So could you just talk us through um, the competitions this year and, and some of the performers? Yeah, I've I've literally written out the competition and who won because there's some, you know, it's it's great, isn't it? For many years we have, you know, people who win all the time and that they're, they're always at the top. And then you get years where you get these new names pop in and you're like, well, who is that? You know, but hang on, they've just won the series standing. It's great. I love it. I love that there are these new names and especially uh, with the, the younger names as well, the juniors, um, because we need more of them, basically. So we start, we always start the year with Cardiff and Cardiff is brilliant. I mean, it's almost like my second home. I love it up there. Uh, and you have some 
you know, fantastic racing around the bay. What they did for the flat water as well, GB Sup increased the length of the distance because in a line with uh, international competition, most of our races used to be uh, 10K. They're now si- about 16. So it just means that these athletes who are, you know, putting themselves out there to qualify need to be qualifying at the right distance. So uh, Cardiff, it was Ginny Betts and Hector Jessel who won. So really great performances. Hector is uh, still a junior this year. Um, Ginny is not a junior, but she's, you know, she's, she's back this year. She did, I don't think she did much racing last year, but, you know, definitely back on form this year. Uh, the second flat water was Buell Water. Um, we had a couple of races with the GB Sup that were cancelled due to weather uh, and other issues as well and obviously that's not anybody's fault but it it does sort of throw a bit of a mix in doesn't it it sort of makes people a little bit unsettled but some of these cancellations well all of the cancellations were completely out of gb sup's hands fuel water which is a reservoir um i think it was pretty spicy there i didn't actually go but apparently it was windy waves very challenging um and again Ginny. Uh, travelled up to that event and won. And Dom Hook from, I think Dom is from sort of base up area, uh, that club area. Uh, he took it for the men. So great paddling, uh, great paddling from those. Um, and in looking through the uh, race series, I couldn't actually find third flat water. That's that's a terrible admission, but I have to admit it. I can't find it. So straight onto the Ocean Tech, which is. Again, they changed it up a little bit. So Ocean Tech would be a distance and a tech. Again, making it more challenging because if you go abroad and, you know, you want to be up against the best in the world, you need to know, you know, what you're doing. So we had Falmouth. Now, Falmouth was brilliant because it was the qualifier. I'll come back to that um, in a minute. Um, But uh, you had uh, who was winning there. Overall, it was Blue Ewer and Emily Evans. So uh, Emily was, you know, properly on form. She didn't go on actually to compete internationally um, because she's had other things uh, that she she's had to deal with. All good positive stuff. Um, but Blue obviously came back because he wanted to qualify for the world. So that was brilliant. He he basically um, between them, they won uh, the sprints, the tech uh, and yeah, got got themselves qualified. So that was that was amazing. Uh, the second race was a Beadnell Belter, which is up uh, with Anna Little and her club, the Northern Sup Race Team, which is where Bruce and Karen are part of. Um, and actually it was one. It's great, actually. It was quite a tiny event, um, but it was won by James Little. Now, James Little is Anna's son, and we've been watching him for since 2018. So he's now 17 and he won his first, uh, I think it was his first event. event. So He's definitely one to watch. He's a junior, so uh, long may he remain in the sport. Uh, and the other new name, uh, Annabelle Page won there for the ladies. Now, Annabelle is a sup surfer, has been doing really well on, on, on the sup surf scene. Uh, she, she lives up north and uh, she won her first event. So that was brilliant. And then the last event in the Ocean Tech Series was Norfolk, um, held with, uh, I think it was with lovely Sam. Mm-hmm. Uh, running that event and a new name which it, uh, for the men was uh, Jan Pospisil and the lovely Natalie Rendell won for the ladies so uh, okay. Martin Rendell's wife so that's the sort of uh, you know in the series winners um, which you can you know if you want to have a look you can look at uh, if you google GB Sup web scorer you can find all the results going back to about 2017 so it's really good to go and look at the times and uh, see what's going on 
Um, but the series winners for those events um, on the flat for the flat water were Ginny and Hector, and for the ocean was Annabelle Page and Jan Pospisil. So um, really great great stuff from them. Um, and but going back to Falmouth, um, Falmouth was split into sprints, distance, and tech. And obviously, prone were all also trying to qualify. Um, we must never forget about prone because. I'm in absolute awe as to how they do that, either on their knees mm. or lying down. I mean, it's, it's such a skill. Have you ever tried it, Simon? Uh, I haven't, no. <laughs> a, a, Me neither. Skinny boards, I think, is is the thing, just climbing a board. But, but you know, it's a proper grind, isn't it? And, yeah, huge respect for people doing that. Yeah, very, very tippy boards. But the results, the overall results for Falmouth were were great and it was such an exciting event it's such a lovely event down there the the setting is great um it's on gilly beach so everything is off from the beach um we actually had a couple of bridge canoeing people come down to watch and i think they were mildly impressed very impressed with what they saw um with these people you know especially with the beach runs and the you know coming back around the, the flag and everything um so the sprints uh so bearing in mind, you get two who qualify for most of the disciplines. Um, it was Blue Ewer and Will Keatley. So mm. young Will Keatley, he's just out of juniors now, I believe. So he qualified. And for the ladies, we had Emily first, Holly second and Ginny third. Obviously, Emily didn't um, uh, go go to Europe, uh, Europe or uh, the world. So um, Holly and Ginny went too. Uh, for the distance, it was uh, Ginny and Marie. Uh, which was great. Uh, we'll talk about Marie later. And Blue and Hector Jessel. And again, Hector was, uh, because he's a junior, we had Ben Morham as well, who'd come over for, from Fuerteventura. He's a British young man. He lives in Spain. He trains with the powerhouses that are Spain, but he does he does really want to compete and qualify for um, England. And he did. So he was very, very excited. Uh, for the tech, it was Emily again won. Ginny came second. Marie came third. And for the boys, it was Blue, you and Ben Moram again. So we had a really good uh, mix of people. So it wasn't just Blue and Marie or mm. you know, Blue and Ginny. It was, it was a really good mix of people. And then going just lastly, uh, with the prone guys, um, Andrew Byatt, who's been paddling for uh, years and years and years and does incredibly well. He qualified for the tech and the distance. We had Jessica George Lynn, who qualified for the distance and Molly Roothouse. Uh, both those ladies I, I hadn't met before. And uh, if you see Molly Roothouse, um, on the beach, she just looks like an Amazonian from Australia. She just. You can just tell she's got athlete written all over her. So she qualified for the tech, which was really exciting. And then it was great to obviously go and watch them in France. But, yeah, some cracking, um, you know, results, different results, not all the same. So and there are loads of people just nipping at their heels. You know, the standouts, you know, the likes of Blue and, you know, Ginny, Holly, Marie, you know, they're at the top of their game. But you've got these people just nipping at their heels, really. I think it'll be a few years yet, but um, they're really trying hard. And there's some very exciting athletes out there and lots of people training very, very hard as well. So it's great stuff. Absolutely. And that so that's the sort of TV sup. Yeah, that, I mean, that's great. And that was sort of reflected in the international competition as well. And, and I'm probably going to mess up the order on on these ones, but there were... 
some various competitions this year. Obviously, the big ones being the ISA, the International Surfing Association, and the ICF, um, which we'll talk about um, a bit later on, which was in Thailand this year. Um, we also had Eurosup um, as well. So this was um, championship this year in uh, Portugal in October. And, uh, you know, as you say, there's a powerhouse in Spain at the moment, a really, really strong Spanish team who actually... Uh, won the overall there but SB Barreros um you know it is you know the um the leader I guess of that and um, certainly a, a prominent and consistent performer we saw her at the APP in London last year where she you know just basically pushed April and uh, and also there was a very strong performance by the the French team as well uh, Melanie Lafanetre being the you know the one of the the prime movers in in that team but you know very very strong uh, French team in there and our juniors came through in that um, Hector Hector Jessel came fourth on the the junior long distance race and uh, Will Keatley fourth in the men's sprint so you know really good and you could seen you know, one ex-junior one still junior really pushing the envelope in terms of performance which is which is really good so moving on to Le Sable Dolon in uh, the ISA championships I know you went um, along to, to that one I'm um, it's a beautiful it's a beautiful part of France absolutely spectacular they had had surfing and obviously the, the sort of conventional sup events there um, obviously wonderful food and uh, may um, maybe the occasional glass of wine in there as well so just talk us through that event because that that's just such a spectacular place to paddle oh Simon it was just uh, incredible we've actually been there before I went there with um, Blue Chip we went on a surfing holiday so I knew you know, I knew a little bit about it. We visited the Sable de Long when we were there, um, home of the tin sardines, um, for sure. And the round the world um, yacht races yeah. and a lot of around uh, the world races run from there. So um, it's a really beautiful, beautiful place to stay. Um, it's got this fantastic beach. It's huge, very, very very flat sand. So when the tide comes in and out, it comes in and out pretty quickly. Um, really, as you say, lots of lovely places to eat and drink. And it's really nice to be around all the athletes, you know, you see them in the, in the town and, you know, say hi to the people that you know and get to know people that you don't know. Um, we had the surfing first. We, we hadn't actually gone over there to really work. We'd gone for a holiday and sport um, our great friend Sarah Perkins was um, in the subsurf competition. She qualified um, earlier in the year. So we'd sort of just said, let's go on a road trip. Um, but we very quickly got caught up in, you know, a few live feeds and interviews and uh, just trying to get stuck in. So it was great fun. And the team, the ISA team, um, the last ISA event I went to was our first sort of international competition in 2018. And I have to say, this was a massive step up in terms of delivering live feeds, the quality. Um, and actually, I don't think I did do live feeds because I thought these guys have got this. They know what they're doing. They've got drones. They've got cameras all over the place. They're such professionals. Uh, we had Matthew on the beach. We had Anthony Baylor um, being the race director. You just had a, a huge team. Uh, even um, who else was there? Casper Steinfath was there on the mic. Um, yeah, you just had a huge team of very professional people who love the sport. And so we just thought we're definitely not doing a live feed. We know we know when to step back. <laughs> but it was a really uh, fabulous event with 
you know, hundreds of paddlers and it's not anything on the scale of the ICF um, because they have, you know, qualified events and only a certain amount of people can go. Um, but they were pretty full to capacity and uh, watching the racing from the beach, it was a huge um, crowd of, uh, because it's such a beautiful uh, beach and it's a it's a sort of seaside town that you've got a lot of people spectating as well. So it made it really exciting. I goodness knows what they thought of the sort of the tech race and, you know, the tech race was classic with the waves breaking on the, you know, the hammer boy and it was brilliant and uh, not everybody got their own way in, in terms of results or, um, but you had some absolute standout performances from, uh, the, you know, the international crowd. I'm not, I'm, I'm talking about our crowd as well because we were brilliant out there and did very, very well, but the likes of Shuri Araki, you know, shrimpy mm. um, to see him, almost get three out of three was just really, really exciting. He didn't do it in the end. He didn't make the sprints, but he won the distance and he won the tech and he's just the most beautiful sort of humble uh, being as well. He's just lovely. Um, I mean, he, you know, it's so sweet. He even thanked me for doing what I do, which is just lovely. You know, he's just one. I've just gone and asked him for a photograph or whatever. And, and he's just said, thank you so much for what you do. And that, you know, that, that is lovely. That's the kind of people that they are. And then again, in the distance and the tech, Espe Barreras, you know, just, just smashed it. I mean, it was just incredible to watch. And the, as I say, the tech was proper tech racing in and out uh, of the surf, in and out of, you know, the water running around the flags with the, you know, with their boards. Um, and we were, running up and down the beach the whole english team were running up well all the teams were running up and down the beach so every time the team came in off the water to go around a flag we'd be absolutely there shooting our you know our team on um and in the sprints you had noick um gary from france and taryn king from from uh south africa taryn king you know pitches up with her two small children you know on her hip and then she passes them over to her husband and off she goes and races and she won the sprint. So really, really good to see. And, and Noick was just so ecstatic to win that as well. Mm. Um, him and his younger brother, Vayak, are, you know, just a force to be reckoned with. So amazing, amazing racing from, uh, you know, all, all the people in France won the overall, which, you know, it was in France. You'd really want them to do that, wouldn't you? Spain came second with Japan third um, and England came sixth overall, which was, incredible because there must have been 30 teams there or something so we did incredibly well there yeah, yeah. and um you know just um focusing on the gb athletes so there's a particular strength in prone paddling the prone people were the people who won our medals for us you had um andrew bart actually won uh silver in the prone distance and the tech so incredible and then a um a medal for jessica and molly so uh the four medals that were won were won by the prone paddlers so um amazing um amazing results from them so um absolutely fantastic hector you know, came fifth in in the junior tech and blue came eighth in the long distance and you know did really well six overall so um, a great, great performance okay well look there's, there's one big event that we've got to still talk about that's the icf uh, but we'll We'll uh, leave the race scene just for the moment. Um, but um, 
we're not abandoning it entirely because earlier I got to chat with uh, 2022's APP champion, 2022 Sup Connect Woman of the Year, April Zilg. And I started by asking her about 2023 and whether she felt that uh, her performance this year and her activity this year was a change in direction or just a pause for breath following her years on the international SUP circuit. Uh, Definitely a pause and definitely a change in paddling discipline. There's no shortage of things I want to do or I want to accomplish in the paddling world. Um, And for the last better part of the last 12 years, I've been working towards and competing at very similar events year after year after year. And something that I've never done was like truly dedicate my time and my efforts to outrigger canoe and not just solo uh, OC1 or V1 outrigger canoe, but paddle as a part of a team with five other people in an OC6 or a V6 where you have to change your stroke a little to like match them. You have to train at the same level and on the same schedule as these other women. You have to consider those different personalities when you're in the boat. I've never been a a really good team sport person. I'm just a go out by myself, put my head down and grind, kind of get my work done kind of person. But I felt like I was missing out on something, having never paddled as a part of a team. So I just kind of took this year knowing what I had planned um, to focus on that. So back in January, February, I tried out for the USA Women's Open Outrigger six-person team to go to the World Championships in Samoa. Um, The United States has never won that race, especially in in not for the women. So we really did want to win. And we had a really good team of amazing women that we put together, Brandy put together. It's not like, oh, I scratched the itch. It's over. It's if a team of that caliber comes together again, I would jump at the opportunity. It's hard for me sometimes. This is going to sound like so butthead. Um, I, I very rarely find a team that I like, I, you get excited mm-hmm. to work with. I guess if at a certain level of paddling, it's fun to work with any team. Don't get me wrong. Like I, I love paddling with teams, but like if you're going to go somewhere and compete to win, and that's something that the other five in the bo- people in the boat are also feeling, then mm-hmm. that's very motivating. Um, you know, you don't want to be the hardest working person in the boat. You want to be everyone's peer, like you want to be equal to everyone else in your team. So if, if it so happens or it comes to pass that another amazing team like that one forms with, uh, just paddlers of that caliber, I would love to be on that team. Unfortunately for where I live, I live out in the middle of absolutely nowhere. And so solo individual sports it's just easier for me because there's no one here to mm. paddle with or to train with. Um, and so I will likely, you'll see more of me back in individual and solo sport events 
because there is no team here. It was, I, instead of traveling to world tour events in 2023, I just traveled back and forth to go and train with the team. So my travel budget went to being with the team and competing with the team instead of going to my yeah. individual events. Well, so that was a choice. I, made. So I then asked her about the 12 days of fitness, which is well worth a look for any paddler. I started it, I think I've been doing that for seven years now. It's always been 25 days of fitness. And I share a strength training move for paddlers to do in the gym in the off season. So the point is to share the moves that I've found the most valuable uh, in my paddling career that build like the best muscle balance. I know we've gone talking at length and don't get me off on a tangent about the balance of push and pull muscles in the body for injury prevention and especially distance paddlers looking to like not have any tweaks or pulls in their skeletal muscular uh, system. But I, I just want to share each year moves that are applicable to paddlers. One year I did travel friendly fitness because I was on the road pretty much all of December. So I used towels and bands and things in my suitcase to display how you can still get a, a good strength training workout in as a paddler, whether you're on the road or able to access your gym. I think a lot of people that get into paddling maybe see it as more of an endurance sport, but it is a power endurance sport and how much power we're able to apply to our blade each and every stroke matters. Yes, you have to apply that power over a duration. So it is endurance, but it is very specifically power endurance. There's not a lot of sports that power comes into like a truly, truly power endurance sport. Um, the way paddling does, cause you hit a tide or the wind and all of a sudden you're like, Oh gee, I wish I had more power. And if you're not doing that in the gym, if you're not doing a lot of these moves, then you're going to lack that power. Uh, so you can have all the endurance in the world, but strength and your brain's ability to recruit more muscle fibers, which is something you directly train in the gym, is of vital importance. This year is um, modified fitness because of my um, expecting <laughs> like my, my modification. So yeah, Corey and I are expecting our first, maybe only, I don't know, child uh, January 21st. Um, so little over a month away. And so I can't, there's a lot of moves that I can't do right now. So it was like, hmm. and I didn't, I saw my, you know, my normal 25 days and I'm like, no, I'm not doing 25 days this year. It's not going to happen. So uh, I went with 12 days because that's another common Christmas thing. Um, so we're doing the 12 days of fitness and it is free and or modification. So if you have an injury and you're working back or you can't lift weight as heavy as you typically can or you're coming back after injury or you do have a, a big old, you know, pregnant belly in your way, it doesn't matter. But there's still things you can be d doing um, to keep yourself active and keep yourself healthy and, and actually speed the recovery if you are looking at recovering. I, I very much valued training throughout my pregnancy. And competing at the, the VAA World Championships at five months was, I, I was a little worried about it at first, but I was able to maintain my training load up through that. Um, some of my sessions did become naps, but training's training, right?
We're both paid up members of the April fan club here. And frankly, I had such a good time last year talking to her in the Sup FM book club episode. I didn't think the year was complete without hearing from her. Oh, I think it's lovely. We've not had much contact with April this year, but we are we're big, big fans of April. Um, she's got some exciting stuff coming up, that's for sure, in her personal and hopefully her her racing life as well. But um, she's a proper athlete, and her yeah her her videos. It's nice to see her back on social media briefly, but she's a uh, she's really always one to watch April just for fun. And we've met her, and obviously she's done a few uh, clinics that we we're involved in. She's a lot of fun, but her knowledge is uh, supreme. Uh, and I know that you guys share your nerdery of, uh, you know, stuff. Lo- love, you? A, love a bit of nerdery. And actually, I noticed she had quite a, a prolonged name check during the last Paddler Standing broadcast where they talked about, you know, her depth of knowledge and, you know, continuous curiosity around sort of sports and physiology and so on. So we didn't mention that in our, our chat, but I just need to remind her of that. This year, we tragically lost uh, Mark Slater, who was one of the original racers and paddlers in the UK. And he was a a real one-off endurance paddler. He was a proper unit. He wouldn't have looked out of place on a a rugby field. But he was also an all-round, softly spoken, nice guy um, with some serious grit. And Sarah, I know you wrote a testimonial to him in Mag UK. Um, but uh, I also got to speak to Ryan James, who is another of the originals and a very close friend of Mark's. It must have been 13, 14 years ago. Um, so I met him at a base up um, training event um, where base up had about six members in um, the originals. So Nick, uh, Pete, uh, Matt French, uh, myself and Mark, really. So um, there was me. Uh, uh, turned up with a mini with a K15 on the top of it on a soft rack and a pair of Ugg boots and a pair of shorts. And um, and then Mark turned up in his big van, um, yeah, in, in the same sort of attire. So the fact we were both in shorts in the middle of winter, um, um, we kind of clicked um, instantly, really. So it was it was really good to, yeah, find someone that, uh, yeah, also didn't really suffer in the cold. I think Nick, Matt and Pete were quite surprised about that. Um, as they were in full winter suits and me and him were in shorts and maybe a, rat, a, a wetsuit vest, hoping not to fall in. Uh, it was just big beaming smile. And I'd, I I came obviously from a, a triathlon cycling background. So I had no idea um, what what the what the thing was really when I first started. So they all of them, especially Mark, were so welcoming and would just turn up to anything. I would not see Mark for maybe months on end because a lot of times he spent some time away traveling at markets through his bags his bag shop stuff and um but uh yeah it was always like we hadn't yeah we hadn't ever left i mean we went we went traveling loads together as well which was which was epic it was always part of the gang um the sub gang and the surf gang so they, they always turned up whether we were going west or we were going out to uh, morocco or um to portugal um, or to California for um, for oh God, I've forgotten the name now. Pacific Paddle Games, or as it was then, Battle of the Paddle. And we were always in rival brands as well, which was uh, which is always hilarious because always comparing boards and uh, stuff like that. So 
yeah it was um yeah it was great fun it was it was it was basically the 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 acceptance was there from them all not just mark but mark especially he was it just had that northern only um completely just hug every time it wasn't a handshake it was a hug every time um so if you were slightly uh, backwards but coming forwards yeah you that you got that rinse right out of you straight away with a big hug from the from the big man yeah Ah, oh, he was just the funniest thing was it was he was a ruthless competitor, so hyper competitive, much like myself, and um, it, but you would never have known it. So there was no attitude, or com- it didn't look like he was competitive at all. So, but all the time, if he came paddling past you, which invariably right at the beginning he did, uh, he would just be there, like almost like um, it would be like it, it was like toothache. He would just be grinding you down all the time, and he'd just be there and thereabouts. And if you made a mistake, he'd capitalise that on it all the time. So the amount of races I lost to him um, from making mistakes, and he could just read water so well. I mean, he was proficient in uh, the canoe, the on the sup, on the surf, like longboard, shortboard um he would on a prone paddle board as well obviously he did a massive thing from i don't know if you're aware from portland to uh portland to sandbanks and then it, which he outrigged canoed and then back um he sucked and then came back again on a prone board so he went from portland sandbanks back and then back again right the way through the night as well so he was just a i mean he was is mental the stuff that he did was just like beyond. I mean, he did love the Eleven Cities tour as well. So he was just, he loved it. He just loved going out and just doing it. Um, devices to Westminster, he did as well on his own. And it just, but didn't announce it. He just went and did it. So it wasn't a thing. It wasn't a big thing about um, like social media attention. It was nothing about, he would never announce these things. You would hear about it after. Um, like like you said about the Isle of Wight, um, the Isle of Wight trip. I mean, he went off, went round, got lost, dr- went into Forley Refinery. Um, they told him, "Yeah, you're definitely in the wrong place, mate." Um, and then he paddled back again with a bit of water and a, and a camelback. Um, and, it, and it took him the whole night. We met him on the beach in the morning, and he just stepped off. Went, "Yeah, that was good, mate." And it was it was just like it was nothing. But he just went out and did these challenges. The whole time it was amazing, amazing guy to to know, amazing guy to um, uh, yeah, to be friends with and and to 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 drink drink with, to compete with, um, to travel with. Yeah, it was always great. I mean, we went traveling a lot. So to take this is the type of guy that he was. So um, my background is um, um, uh, in, in physiology and sports science. So uh, about the body and stuff that I, I, I'm really aware of. And we went traveling to on a surf trip to Portugal. There was about eight of us on the trip, and unknowingly, he'd uh, he'd separated um, one of his rotator cuff muscles completely off the bone, um, and he still went out surfing. He slept upright um, because he it was too painful for him to, to lay down. Uh, he paddled one arm into the waves, and we're talking double overhead. Um, at, at a, a break called Sagres, um in Portugal. So that's the type of guy he was. It was like he wouldn't let anything stop him. And uh, so it's like when you look at back at that, at, at that what he did, he just didn't want to stop. He did it, it. He just kept on doing it. He kept on doing it. Whatever the barrier was, he found some way of overcoming it. Um, so that's really, really, I think that's to end on is just to, yeah, look at how he lived his life. It was just, yeah, phenomenal.
from his legacy perspective, it was just really that he just did everything. It wasn't about what he would get out of it. It was just about uh, getting the challenge and just dealing with the challenge, just like um, what he um, unfortunately, um, yeah, he suffered with right from the end, that you never knew um, that there was anything wrong um, at all. He, it wasn't as if he, he hid um, the illness. It was about him just cracking on with life. He was just doing it. He never stopped. Um, he couldn't wait um, to, for, for the treatment to progress far enough that he could get back swimming again and get back surfing again. Um, so he was just re relentless in his ability just to live life to the fullest and live life every day. Um, even before he knew that he was ill, that's how he lived his life. He li he took every opportunity, did everything that he wanted to do, um, uh, just for personal achievement, just so that he could say, "Yeah, I've done that. Let's give it a go. I'm just going to do. It. I'm just going to do it." Um, and that that's the most amazing thing that you can take from his from his legacy. That he never stopped. He never stopped grinding. He never stopped living his life. Um, I mean, he had he had a life that no one that uh, apart from probably guys in my uh, inner circle that, that he lived like three lives in one in, in, in the, in the period that he was on this, uh, on this earth for, he lived like three lives at least that. Um, and that's what's, that's what we can celebrate about it. Um, that, um, that's what I try to do is that, is that, is that you celebrate what he did and what he achieved and what, how he lived his life. And if, if you've got to, you've got to live your life like that, you can't let things get you down when, when, when you, when you witness that firsthand as well. Sarah, we were both there on the beach for, for Mark's memorial. And I don't think either of us were surprised by the huge attendance and the distances that people had, had traveled to get there. Um, and I know there was a, paddle out a month later as well which was sort of equally attended but um and you saw mark on the on the race scene didn't you what were your impressions of uh, of him as a character and and um what came out of the testimonials that you put together um yeah mark what a what a lovely lovely guy i mean i you know back when i was racing i started in sort of 2012 i guess he was he was there you know ryan was there pete holiday this was just the boys and they were a proper little gang of boys um and he's just as you say he's just you know he looks a he looked a beast you know he's a big 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 guy and uh very strong um didn't look like you know your blue ewers of this world just a, a beast um but so gentle very northern <laughs> um but so uh gently spoken and softly spoken um he could race um i mean he was just such a such a strong strong paddler so he was always up there you know he was always up there on the podium um i was very lucky to be able to write that testimonial i put it to Supmag that somebody should and they said well why don't you 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 know you knew him so really honored to be able to you know and i i didn't know him that well so my first thought was let's get the people who knew him really well to write about him and all of them almost wrote the same thing um I mean, it's a it's a really lovely piece to read if you want to, you know, look it up and read it. It's got some great photos of him as well. Some going back, you know, messing about with Jay Manning. And um, I mean, he's just one of the OGs, you know, of the sport in the UK. And I know he did a couple of international things as well. But on the whole, most people said, you know, 
looked a beast, but just the most beautiful, softly spoken. But, you know, as soon as he started paddling, he started doing endurance events. He started pushing himself. He just got on and did things that he didn't really have a clue of what he was doing. I mean, one, one of the, one of his paddles, he was picked up by a fishing boat because he'd, you know, got lost and didn't really know where he was. And the tide was going a different way. So he thought, Oh, I better learn about the tides. You know, we talk about safety now, but he wasn't being, um, he just, he just, he was a strong man. Mm -hmm. I just guess he had the thought he had the confidence to be able to do these things. Um, so, but everybody sort of just said the same about him and the, the, you know, that meeting on the beach and just seeing, all those people who, oh, you knew him too. You know, everybody knew Mark. Um, he was such a big part of the racing. Um, I was, you know, there for sort of five years and a big, big part of Base Up, you know, huge part of their club right from the beginning. So um, they would have really felt his loss um, deeply. And his girls, you know, his girls used to just be, um, I hate to use the word dragged, but they were dragged to all the events, but they loved it. He looked after them beautifully made sure they were okay, had an ice cream in their hands, really looked after them. And those girls have grown up and, and they're, they're lovely girls. And they were, they were delighted with the, you know, the piece in the magazine. It's just, um, yeah, it's just, it, just a lovely man. I, one of my anecdotes is, um, doing the first sup bike run event at Wimbledon Lake. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I couldn't really run. I couldn't really ride a bike and I could only paddle. And that was like the smallest bit of it. But, um, I was watching Mark and he, he finished his bike ride and he went to start his run and he couldn't, he just couldn't walk. He just couldn't walk. His calves had seized up and his calves were massive. And I said, Oh no, he's not, he's not going to be able to do it. And he just hobbled off up the hill and off he went yeah. and did his 10 K. You know, he just wouldn't, he just wouldn't let that stop him. So um, huge, huge man, physically huge heart, beautiful person. Um, yeah. What a what a loss in 2023. Yeah, really, yeah, very very sad. Yeah, very very sad loss, and it's an honour to to you know pay tribute 